Good morning. It is good to be with you today, and I hope that you're all doing well. Uh, I have some things that I'd like to show you. Um, this is, is my wallet. Uh, this is a $5 bill. Um, my wife probably doesn't know I have $5, so she may take this from me. Um, how much is this worth? This is not a trick question. See? All right, so it's $5. That's the value of this right here. It's $5. All right, so what my wife also doesn't know is I went to the bank the other day. I have a 10. How much value does this have? It's not hard. This is the difference. How much value is this? $20, if those of you who can't see it. All right. I don't have a hundred. Um, so they have different values for us, don't they? They have different values for us. Um, we have given in our life a certain amount of value to everything. We've given a certain amount of value to everything. And some, some of you know this last year, I got glasses. Um, glasses have a different value to me than they did prior. Why? Because I couldn't see anymore. <laughs> so... Now, they have some value if I want to read. Distance, I'm good, but I, I, they have a greater value to me than they did a year ago. And it's, listen, it's, it's just a matter of fact. They have a different value. So for some of you, it's, it's, it's a sport. Maybe it has a certain amount of value to you. And so you've given that a certain amount of value whether you believe you have or not. By the time you spend in it, the energy you give to it, etc., etc., um, I'll get rid of that real quick. There's also other things that have value. Uh, maybe it's an instrument. Maybe it's music. For some of you, it's, it's technology. And you can't not always be like this. That's why I'm teaching a class, uh, leadership class on Wednesday nights, and I tell them, listen, the first 20, 30 minutes you get home, just leave it in the car. Leave it in the car. Right, Because your kids are learning that this matters more because they're running up to you. I found myself, I did this once. My kids are running up and going, oh, Dad, you're home. This is great. And I'm going, hang on, guys. And I go, oh, what a miserable punk. Right? Leave it in the car. None of us are all that, you know, none of us are that important. Really, we're not. And so it's got a certain amount of value to us. Everything has value to you. Absolutely everything has value to you. Um, this is one of my most prized possessions. This was something I got from my father who passed away last year. Um, this is a Bible. The binding is new, but everything else is original. This is a Bible from 1605. It's called the Geneva Bible. Please don't come and ask if you can like, go through the pages, because I'm going to say no, because of the value to it. So you're looking at something here that's over 400 years old. It was, this is pre-King James, to put perspective for you. This was uh, 1605, and the Geneva Bible actually came out in the fifth, uh, around 1558-ish, 1555, something like that. Anyway, it's during the time when uh, Mary Tudor was the Queen of England, and she outlawed any kind of Bible uh, in England. In fact, even pictures of anything religious uh, relating to Christ uh, you would be crucified for, or, or executed for that. 
Um, and so it's something that was incredibly valuable. This is the Bible that would have come over on the Mayflower. This is what it is. And so there's so much value uh, in this to me. And you start to look at it and you start to think about the words that are within it. And then you go, okay, what value does this have to you? And one of the reasons that we struggle so much, even with reading the Word of God, is because we have placed different values on everything in our life. But that's a great, that'd be a fun thing for you guys to do one time. If you have a good friend or a spouse, it doesn't matter who it is, and make a list of everything in your life and start giving it a value one to a hundred. And you have to be completely honest with each other. And if someone says, well, that's an 88 value to me, the other person can say, no, it's not. And you can sharpen each other and you can determine what has the most value in life to you. And I just keep thinking about the fact that we've given everything a different value. And one of the reasons we struggle, especially even with the passage that we're looking at today in Colossians chapter 3, one of the reasons we struggle sometimes is because we haven't given the proper value to who Christ is. And the greater value that you give to Christ, the more eager you are to serve him and to obey him. But if you haven't given God a high value, if you haven't given Christ a high value in your own life, then you really, when you look at his commandments and and his instruction for us in life, rather than being excited about that and being eager to obey because you know and believe that God has the very best for you in store, you grow resentful because you think you know what is best. It's a matter of value. It's a matter of what you give the greatest value in life to. And so here, before we even jump into Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, I need to go back to the first few verses of chapter 3. I hit a lot last week from the end of chapter 2. And we're in this series walking through Colossians. We started in January. Not sure when we're going to finish up. Uh, probably a few weeks after, a couple weeks after Easter. But here we're jumping into Colossians chapter 3. It's in the New Testament. I'd love for you to turn there. And again, here Paul is writing to a church he had never been to. Epaphras, his friend, had gone and started this. This is a church who had started with a lot of faith and they had started well. But then they began getting distracted. And they began adding different things. And they, they took their wide spiritual stance and they had narrowed it. And they stopped placing, maybe they stopped placing the proper value on who Christ was. And they started adding other things. Which is why even in chapter 2 of Colossians, verse 7 and 8, he speaks about the human tradition that now they're held captive to. Right? Some of us, let's be honest, some of us have placed a higher value on traditions we have rather than who Jesus is. We were talking about it this morning, uh, Pastor Nathan and I and a couple of others in the back there. Um, the first church I was ever in, I was in a tie every week, and I had to wear the big liturgical robe. And I had to sit on the stage and listen to the guy preach every week. I'm 21 doing this. Can you, can you picture that? Anybody? Can, no, I can't either. Um, and, but it was rich, though. I still learned a lot. Is it my preferred style of worship? It's not, but there was so much value to it. 
It's not wrong. I, there was so much that I gained from it. And, but what I learned, one of my frustrations was um, there was sometimes a, a greater allegiance to observe a human tradition than an allegiance to make sure that we were worshiping Christ, I felt. And there's always that tension. There's always that balance. And some of us, we have human traditions that we hold on to. And it's because of what we have given value to. And so here, what you have in the first few verses of chapter 3, it says, if then you have been raised with Christ. Like, think about this. If you've given value to Christ, think about this. If you've been raised with Christ, if you've recognized who Jesus is to, the, to, to God in terms of being his son and what he did for you, that means proper view of God, proper view of self. If this is where you're falling and you understand that, that God isn't here to make sure that you even do what you think is morally proper, but that you understand that Jesus defines morality, he's already given it to us, and now we have this beautiful joy of being able to obey him because we know that we have been risen from the dead because of the power of Jesus Christ. Anybody believe that? I hope there's more of you. It's, it's a matter of what you give value to. So he says, if then you have been raised with Christ, then as a result, you know what you're going to do? You're going to seek the things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Like if you really believe that you've been raised with Christ, you're going to search out. For the things of Christ. You're going to search out the things of Christ. You're going to look above. You're going to do everything you can to search for it, to look for it. My kids love scavenger hunts. Love them. And my kids love chocolate, even cheap chocolate. I don't like cheap chocolate, but they love cheap chocolate. If we tell them that we have chocolate all throughout the house scattered like little chocolate coins, right? I mean, they get so excited. Like the faces, even before they start running, their faces get all red and they're getting all amped up. I'm like, guys, calm down. They're like, no, we can't. There's chocolate. And I mean, of course, Melissa's, she's participating in this as well. And, and like, because they're all getting excited. And they just take off and they run and they try to find everything. Well, isn't that who we are in terms of searching for Christ if we've given him the proper value? Right? If you've given Christ a proper value, you're searching him out. You're seeking for him no matter what. And so you're going to set your minds on things that are above. You're not going to give your minds to the earthly stuff. Why would you empty calories last week, right? Why would you give yourself to so many empty calories? He's going, listen, you're going to set your minds on things that are above. Don't, you're not going to waste your energy. You're not going to waste your time on the earthly stuff. You're not going to do it. Why? It's all a matter of value. It says, for you have died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you know that you're going to appear with him in glory. If you've given that value, now all of a sudden, if that really is greatest value in your life, then you read this different. You read it different. The people who are the most upset with God, the people who get the angriest at God, are the ones who have not given him the proper value. So you ask, what value have you given to him? And so he, he comes out, and this is what he says. Because you believe that Christ is raised, has raised, or, or because you have been raised with Christ, verse 1, because of that, 
because of the value that you give to being raised with Christ. It says in verse 5, it says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly. Whatever is earthly in you, put it to death. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. You're going to get rid of those things. Why? Because they no longer have the same amount of value to you. Really, this is helping us to understand that if if we really believe that we have been raised with Christ, if Christ is who he says he is, and by the way, if you don't believe in the resurrection, maybe we need to do a series on just the facts of the resurrection. You can't deny it, historically speaking. You can't deny it. It's apt, the proof is radical. Even for the scientist, it doesn't matter. By the way, God created science. Don't separate the two. All of a sudden, things start to change when you recognize that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is real. And you've, you start to change. Here's one of the greatest ways to know someone's come to know Jesus Christ is they start to realign the values that they give everything in their life. They start to change them. All of a sudden, the values that you give to family, the values you give to job, the value that you give to, to, to your habits, to recreational things, to technology, one way or the other, they all change. To finances, it doesn't matter what it is. And sometimes those things can increase, which is good, but they increase for a different reason. Because it's not for you to gain for yourself, it's so that Christ could be glorified in those things. And so we start to figure out over time that sometimes we've given the wrong value to things in our life. And so here he comes and he says, therefore, put to death. Because you've been raised with Christ, you've been raised with Christ, and so now you're going to put things to death. Getting rid of things is different. You view those things different. When God says, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, you recognize it's less about doing right and wrong. It's more about giving God glory. It's more about giving God glory. And so we say here in verse 5, therefore put to death, you've been raised with Christ, and so you're going to now put to death what is earthly in you. Why? Because God can make you greater than you've ever been alone. Here's an easy way to think of it, is because of Christ, we get new clothes. We get to dress differently. We get to dress differently than we did before because of who Christ is and what he's done. Because of Christ, we get new clothes. We get to dress differently. Therefore, put to death, raised to Christ now, and so therefore we're going to put to death what is earthly, sexual immorality, and purity and passion, that's the first place you can just stop. That's lust and sensuality. Pursuing things that appease human flesh. Recognizing that God has something more in store. God has something greater. And if you've given God the greatest value in your life, then you trust him and recognize that, you know what, he really understands what is best. 
And so you're willing to surrender and to sacrifice anything for something that you think is greater. If I told you that you could give me $10 a week for the next year, it's not hard math, how much money would that be? Okay, $520. Okay, going to help you out here. That's 52 weeks times 10. There you go. Um, so if I told you that if you give me $10 every week for the next year, and I'm going to be able to turn that into $5,000 for everybody who does that, would you invest in that, yes or no? If you say no, you're not good at math, <laughs> right? You're going to do that. You're going to invest $520, and I'm going to give you back $5,000 in one year. You would do that because you would see the significance and the value increase so radically. Well, you're willing to invest in, and you're willing to give up a whole lot of things in order to give that $10 because you know that what is in store is greater than what you could do otherwise. Right? For some of you, $10 a week is significant. And so maybe you're like, oh, I don't know where I'm going to get the $10, but I'll try. And so you have to cut out certain things in your life. You can change the dollar figure if you want to. It doesn't really matter. You have to cut out certain things in your life in order to be able to do that. But you recognize what you can then do later is far greater than what you could do if you never did it. It's the same thing when it comes to God. If you recognize the value of what you're going to have being raised in Christ, you are now willing to put to death so many things that you would claim for self otherwise. Everything is that way. It's a matter of the value that you give to what it means to be raised by Christ. It's the same thing with sexual immorality, impurity, passion, all of those things. You can lump those first three things together. Right? And I know it's not a popular topic, but that's why we believe what we believe on, on sexuality, on sexual identity. You see, we've made everything today about what you believe your pleasure is what you desire is but if you give the proper value to God you recognize that what he wants for you is greater than what you want for yourself yes and so then as a result of that you're willing to set those things aside to say you know what my preferences don't matter because my value that I've placed on Christ is so great and I trust him so much Okay, I can do this then. I mean, I'm amazed by the people who feel so good about where our society is heading. And yet you look at what's really happening in the world. We average, in the last three years, we average better than one school shooting every week. You know, just think about what just happened in Florida. So we live in a society that says you can claim for what you want for yourself no matter what. And the result is higher suicide rates, higher depression rates, higher anxiety rates. I mean, it's just one thing after another. And it's because we haven't given God the proper authority, the proper value in our life. Because if you just read this as, hey, you believe in God, and so now you better give up sexual immorality and impurity and passion, and you better give up evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry, then you're going to go, wait, this is all about rules. No, this is about God coming in and saying, I've got something better for your life. Do you see the difference in how you read the passage? 
He even says that evil desire and covetousness, and, and, which is idolatry. It's your, one of the translations is, that's your evil craving. Right? Idolatry is, listen, we, we need to understand, we will always become what we love most. You'll always become what you love the most. Whatever that is, you'll always become what you love most. And what you love most is what you've determined to have the greatest value in your life. And we know that the heart, when you recognize you've been raised with Christ, you also understand that the heart of God is to release you from anything that hinders you from knowing him more deeply. And so if you know that you can get rid of some things in your life, you take off the old clothes, if you know that you can do that in your own life in order to be more intimate with the Father who has the greatest value in your life, so you want to do that, you're more than willing to. You're more than willing to. The struggles that we have about being obedient to God really boils down to the value that we've given God. That's what it boils down to. And so he's telling us, listen, put to death, put away is another thing that he's saying. He tells us in verse 7 and following, he says, Um, He says, well, verse 6, he says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Why? Because that's sinful and sin. What we already know what sin does, sin separates us from God. And these you too once walked when you were living in them. You were living in these things, but now because you've been raised with Christ, chapter 3, verse 1, because you've been raised with Christ, because you've given him the proper value in life, you are eager to take these things off. Because you know that with Christ you get new clothes and you want to put on the new clothes that he has promised to you. And he calls out these things. He says, but now you must put them all away. All these things that you once lived in, anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk from your mouth. You need to put all of those things away. Lying, sins of the tongue, you need to put those things away. You need to take off the old, you need to put on the new. You need to set aside your sinful nature and put it to death. He says, don't give into it anymore. Don't give into it anymore. He continues on, he says, do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Think about that. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and you've put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Verse 9 and 10 is really the how. Is that you take off the old and you put on the new. And it's really about renewal even. It's about being renewed ourselves. It's about allowing ourselves to allow Holy Spirit to fill our life in such a way that we're eager to follow Him. Reminds me of Romans 12. It says that we're to no longer be conformed by the world, but by the renewing of our mind. 
here's what Colossians 3 is helping to communicate. Is that because of Christ, we get to wear new clothes, yes. But we're also designed to be his image. I'm going to do what everybody tells me not to do in front of a lot of people. (coughs) It tells us that we were created to be the image of God. This is what Colossians 3 is reminding us of. In fact, in Genesis chapter 1, it tells us that. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, it speaks about how we are created to be the image of God. And this is reminding us, hey, you're going to put off all these things that are not of God. You're going to put on all of these things because now that you've been raised with Christ, you're to be his reflection. You're to be his image bearer. And you're going to do that first by taking off the old. And part of taking off the old is taking off the lie. The lie that fuels your behavior, right? The sin in our life is fueled by a lie. It's the great deceiver, the great accuser, John 8, 44. That's Satan. And he is feeding us lies, and as a result, that on pretty much every time, that's what fuels our behavior, our lies. Right? For some people, you go, every Sunday you walk out of church, and you go, I'm not, and you've got to struggle with alcohol, and so you're going to say, I'm not drinking this week. Or maybe it's, um, language that you shouldn't be using. And you go, I'm not, I'm not going to use foul language this week. And then come Tuesday or Wednesday, one of those things happen, or maybe it's anger and you can't control your anger. And you go, I'm not going to be angry this week. And come Wednesday or Thursday or Friday, whatever it is, you end up going, man, come on. Right? That's why I jokingly say I start a new diet every Monday. Because I'm good until at least 1 o'clock on Monday. Right? But the problem is I work with a lot of people in this church who believe it's okay to eat good food. And they believe it's okay to come and put it on my desk. And I don't want to offend. And so I eat it. Right? And you're going, oh, man. You know, the, the obscene language or maybe it's the eating or maybe it's the anger and all these things, and you keep struggling with it, and it's because you've bought into lies. Listen, those who just cuss all the time, it's because, honestly, either you've just been taught that because of who your family is, or because you actually think that makes you look cool. Right? Alcohol, uh, uh, listen, I, I know it from even in my own family, alcoholism, and, and I'll tell you right now, it's a matter of that's what brought uh, people in my family security rather than God. They bought into a lie that something else could actually feed them and give them peace other than Jesus Christ. So we've bought into these lies. And so part of what it means to take off the old, and that's what this is talking about, it says put off the old self, verse 9, put on the new self, verse 10. Taking off the old is a matter of taking off the lies that are hindering us. Because sins are fueled by lies. Eating disorders are fueled by a lie that that you're worthless unless you don't have any fat on your body. That's not true. God loves you unconditionally. Anxiety is fueled by a lie. Pornography is fueled by a lie. All of these things are fueled by lies, and so that's the taking off is recognizing that you need to also take off the lies that are being spoken into your ear. 
that you are a creation, the image of God. So you want to take that off. It's the first thing that we have to do. That's the first step is we have to take off the lies that so easily hinder us and entangle us. It tells us in chapter 2 again that we get held captive by. And so when it says take off, you're saying, God, please don't let me buy into the lies of Satan anymore. The lies of the world. And then second is not only do you take it off, but then you put it on. There's verse 10. You put on truth. You take off the lie is one way to think about it, and you put on truth. The truth that God loves you, that he knows best for you, that you've been raised with Christ. And because you process that, you know that you want to be renewed by Christ. And it's... People know when this happens in you. Like people get it. I, I remember sometimes, every once in a while, my, my, my girls don't do this that often, but I'll walk into the house, I'm like, wow, something smells. And they've removed their fingernail polish. Like is, I, don't, what's, I don't know what that stuff's called, the stuff that, 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 that chemical stuff that like, um, what's it called? Acid? Acetone. Acetone, okay. Like it's got the word acid in it. I would say don't use it. Um, <laughs> So they, they, they use, be glad I don't know the name of it, right? Because um, that would be awkward. Um, like you smell it, and there's a process in removing it, and then you smell it when they start painting that paint on them, and, and they do it all, I don't know why they do all different colors now, and it's, it's just kind of crazy. And, but that's what they do, and there's a process of taking off the old and then putting on the new. And I know that they've done it, even if they would have done it an hour before I got there, because you can smell it. And some of us need to be willing to do that, right? Some of us need to be willing to take off that old and to put on the new. And people are going to be aware. They're going to go, man, what's different about you? Something smells or what? You look different. Well, I've taken off the old. What, what, what have you really taken off? You know what? I've stopped buying into the lies. I've stopped buying into the lies that, it, that if I look a certain way, then I'm successful. I've stopped buying into the lie of if I control everything, then I'm better off. I've stopped buying into the lie that the more money I have, the more spiritual I am. I've stopped buying into the lies. What else is different? Well, I've started putting on the truth that I was created by the almighty God, and I've given him more value. And as a result of that, there's a fulfillment in my life that is greater than anything I've known before. Because no longer am I chasing things that can never be caught. Now I recognize that I have been raised with Christ. So it's a matter of taking off and putting on. Taking off and putting on. It's a matter of what you give value to. What are you giving the most value to? It changes the way you read this. In fact, as it continues on, it says here, guys, listen, there's, there's not, 
There's not Greek or and Jew or circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Really what that's saying is for anybody who has been raised with Christ, we need to know that Christ has come to remove all the partitions, all the walls, all the barriers. That we all might stand on the same level before God, both in responsibility but also in privilege. That there's no distinction between anyone who has been raised in Christ. And so because we recognize there's no distinction between anyone from which who has been raised in Christ. But because we understand that, that's why we say that Christ is all. Christ is all and he is in all. It's a matter of knowing that he has the ultimate value. And what defines us now is Jesus. And we even see others. It doesn't matter. We even see others through the lens of Christ. We even see others through the lens of Christ. We see others for who they can become in Christ rather than who they are in themselves. I've said that so many times in my life. It's one of the life lessons I learned Pashing a different church and going to a place where it was uh, a hard place to serve in many ways just because there are so few people who claim to know Christ. And I used to get so upset and so angry about different things. And then all of a sudden when I started to see others for who they could become in Christ rather than who they were in themselves, instead of anger, I had hurt for them. And when I had hurt for them, I prayed for them to encounter God. And all that came from the value that I placed on who Christ is. What value have you given Jesus Christ? What value have you given to Jesus Christ? Why? Because we know that because of Christ, we get new clothes. We get to put on new clothes. We can take off the old and we can put on the new. But as I've continued processing this entire message today, and I just, it just keeps haunting me over and over and over again, is that there are so many people that I encounter on a daily basis who need to give Christ a higher value. Like I, I, I wish we had an hour just to sit here and just to let that fall on us, and to process, to make the list right here, right now, what value have we given to Jesus? Because some of us hear the words in Colossians chapter 2 where it says, stop lying, stop being angry, stop giving in to impurity and sexual immorality and self-passion, and we go, oh, he just wants more from me. No, he wants greater for you. And you recognize that the more value that you've given to him. The only way we get angry at God for asking us to be more like him is because we haven't given him the value that he is worthy of. That's the only explanation. 
And so I don't get angry at people about that, but I hurt for those people because they don't understand the greatness of who Christ is. They don't comprehend what it is to be raised with Christ, to take off the old, to take off the lies that keep feeding us, and to put on the newness of the truth of who Jesus Christ really is, and that you're his workmanship. You don't think it grieves the creator when you keep devaluing what he made? He made you for a reason and for a purpose. And when you deny that, you don't think that grieves the father? He's wanting to make sure that we understand who he really is. That because we've been raised with Christ, we want to get rid of all these other things in our life. We even buy into the lie that we can't let anybody know about it. And yet that's why he gave us community to to fight through the difficult. to, To struggle together, but also to rejoice with one another. Have you truly given Christ his proper value in your life? Why? Because because of who he is, we get new clothes. We get to look different than we did before. Have you given Christ the proper value in life? It is um, the one of two things my father left with me. That's why I wanted this up here. My father did two things I'll always be grateful for. Man, he taught me how to love a wife. I'm not saying I'm always perfect at that by any means, but man, he demonstrated what it is to love a wife. And I try to model that in the loving of my wife. Um, I tell you all, that's why I tell you guys all the time because I think we need more men and women Uh, Lifting their spouses up. We've got too many tearing them down. And that's why I say it all the time. I'm the president of her fan club. And she's like, I don't have a fan club. I'm like, I'll make a sign. I'll make a sign. Go, Melissa. Like, I'm the person I'll pick her up from the airport. And she's like, please don't come pick me up. (laughs) I'm that guy. And so I'm like, fine, I will not hold a sign. She's like, thank you. So I'll have all the kids hold the sign. (laughs) I'm that guy. Um, and, And I just... I just go, man, that's one of the things he taught me was to love my wife, to cherish her and to build her up and to encourage her, to let her know that she's created in the image of God and and to give off, to put off, take off that lie that the world says that she's never good enough. And so I'm always like, "You, you are good enough in the name of Jesus Christ because of what he's done. She's like, I know, I know. The other thing my father taught me was, um, his, in li- his entire life revolved around the value that he gave to Jesus and the word of God. And whenever he would go and buy a new house, first thing he looked for, like, where would I study? Like, you want to look at the kitchen first? <laughs> no. I mean, it was, 
all the time. I mean, you, can't, you could not walk into his home without finding numerous translations and commentaries and everything else opened up and being highlighted and underscored and everything else and copied and you just couldn't do it. And he had such an enormous value that he gave to Christ and the word of God that it, it was passed on to me. Like I just, I recognize Whenever you leave, I, I, I really don't care if you remember me. I want you to remember Jesus. I want you to get and to place the proper value on Christ because I see how it changes everything. Would your, would your children, would your neighbors go, man, the greatest value they have in life is Jesus Christ. My neighbors would truly say that about my father. He couldn't not speak about God because God had such an enormous value to him. Can you have a conversation with me just about the weather? No, that would be a waste of my time, son. Don't you understand there's so much greater to talk about in the name of Jesus? What value have you given to Christ? Everything else is fleeting away. The name of Christ is eternal. Amen. As a praise team comes back out and we get to worship him, let's first go to God in prayer. God, we come before you. We give you thanks for who you are and what you've done. And God, we also just come before you and we ask that you would allow us to see you better to give you the proper value in life. I so badly want for this week to be a week where we can all leave this place and be honest with ourselves about if we've given you the proper value in life. And so give us the courage that we need. And may we all be encouraged to know that if we would just listen to the truth of who you are and what you've done, our whole lives change. And so God, help us to take off the lies and help us to put on the truth that we are created in your image and your workmanship And that we have the honor of taking off everything that is not of you and putting on everything that is you and to be your image. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand, sing together.